So if you've been with us for the past couple weeks, which most of you have, you know that we have been diving in. Pastor George has been breaking down and dissecting for us a truly powerful and impactful series on hashtag the standard. And I don't know if you've been um, as moved and as challenged and as stirred as I have been, but if you have been, then we need to just remember that the love of the Father is so strong in this house, and he's leading us with such um, powerful direction. And you guys are blessed. We're blessed to be sitting under the teaching to, to good, honest, real preaching of the word. This kind of preaching is not for those who have itchy ears. Does anybody know what that is? Those who are looking for a fluffy kind of word. I mean, we're here to encourage, and we certainly are here to build you up. But we also want to give you the truth. Amen? Amen. Can we give it up for Pastor George for bringing a powerful word these past several weeks? We just thank God that we sit under pastors and leadership who are not afraid to give the full gospel. Not portions or parts that they prefer, but the full, unadulterated gospel truth of the living word of God. Amen? Amen. I hope you know how blessed you are this morning. So during this whole series, I've, we knew we were going to come and bring a word to you this morning. And the one thing that I had that I was so excited to do that I had in my head that I wanted to make sure my introduction included was this. It's Romans 1.1. So I'm going to introduce us according to Romans 1.1, which is, I am Lee, and this is my husband Josh, and we are bond servants of Christ Jesus. We are called as apostles, special messengers, personally chosen representatives, set apart for the preaching of the gospel, the good news of salvation. To be able to open up and to give you that introduction of who we are is the biggest blessing that could ever we could ever be sitting under. And I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but Pastor George broke down what that means. To be a bondservant, to be a full just slave to everything that Christ wants for me. That means we've had to make great sacrifice. That means that we've had to lay down a few things. That means that we've had to forgive on the kinds of level that is sort of not the norm for human flesh. Does that make sense? We've had to let things go that had the potential to destroy us had we held on to the kinds of hurt that wanted to be birthed inside of us. Does that make sense this morning? So we are blessed to be able to call ourselves bond servants of the Lord Jesus Christ here laying down our lives so that we can bring you a message of peace, of hope, of truth, and of God's love and sacrifice. Amen. I want to open up with one quick thing before my um, my husband begins. And I had a pretty funky week, week this week as I was sharing with my dear sister. Thank you for always being there for me. Um, and I wasn't feeling right. But I just want to brag on Jesus just for like a few seconds. Is that all right? Because, I mean, after all, he did die on the cross for me, and he did rise again for me, and he did bring me up out of hell and high water. He did take my feet up out of the muckery mire, and he set my feet upon a rock. So I have the privilege to be able to stand up here and brag on Jesus. Is that okay? Can I brag on him? Let me just brag, okay? Because he's my daddy. He really is. Like, when everybody else has forsaken me, 
he has been there for me. I was adopted. I was actually sold into this country when I was three months old. I was born in South America, for those of you who don't know my testimony. And I was adopted by a Jewish family. And then I was orphaned again when I was a teenager and I became a ward of New York State and I was on the streets of New York City, homeless and full of drugs and full of anger and full of hatred and just all kinds of trauma had happened to me. And so Jesus really has become my papa. He really has become my daddy. He has become everything to me. And I count it all joy now, all those trials and those tribulations that I had to endure because it's brought me to this place today. I know a lot of you know in here what I'm talking about. I know you know what it is to struggle. I know you know what it is to hurt. But what I want to remind you this morning is that God is still listening. Even if you got saved 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 2 years ago, a month ago, maybe yesterday. God is listening to you when you pray. And so this week I had a really rough time emotionally and, you know, I was just going through some things and I really didn't know how to quite properly filter that out. And last night as I just had my time alone with God because I wanted to make sure that I was fully just released of whatever junk was in me so I could be fully ready to be able to bring you the word today with my husband. And so I was spending some time with Jesus and I just told him, God, this is all I have to offer you. I just have my brokenness and my hurt and my anger and my burdens from the week. And this is the best offering that I can bring you right now. And I just felt just the acceptance of the Holy Spirit and just the acceptance of God in that moment. And I just said to him, Lord, would you take this and would you just give me a great exchange and just in turn for all this garbage and this mess, just give to me what I need from you. Because you know it all. You have it all. You have everything that I need. And then I said to him, and Lord, a special favor before I end this prayer. I'm like, would you give me a dream tonight? Would you meet me in my dreams? And for all of you who know that I've been up here a million times and said it, I am a dreamer. My husband is a dreamer. And I went to bed last night and I had the most beautiful dream. When I was 13 years old, my grandfather, who was my everything, had passed away. And my grandfather is the one that paid the price for my adoption. I was the apple of his eye and he loved me more than every single one of the small children in my family. And all my family knew it. And when he passed away, I was really hurt because he was just everything to me. So last night I go to bed and I have this dream and my grandfather's standing there and he has these two other men with him and they look familiar to me, but I'm like, hmm, two other men. My grandfather's standing right there. And the two men are so overjoyed to see me and they look so familiar, but I'm not really sure who they are. And they're just, they lit up at my presence. And then my grandfather comes in and he just wraps his arms around me and he squeezes me so tight. I mean, it was like a beautiful reunion. And then I woke up and that was it. And when I woke up, I woke up with the realization that God had heard my cry and that he most certainly exchanged my offering of anger and sadness and hurt and frustration with his peace and his joy because he came to me in my dream in the form of this man who paid the price for my life, literally, and just wrapped his arms around me and hugged me. And then I knew what, 20 years I've been saved? He did it again, and he does it again, and he did it again, and he does it again, and he did it again, and he does it again, and he comes and he meets me. And he says, I'm here with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm listening to you. 
So I want to encourage you this morning. There are some of you in here who think God is not listening. You think that God is not hearing your prayer. But I want you to know this morning that the Holy Spirit not only sent us here to preach our word to you, the word the Lord has put in our heart, but I felt prophetically to speak into you this morning to remind you that God is listening to you. And that if all you have in your hands is your brokenness, and if all you have are your tears, and if all you have are the foul things that you've done to people, and if all you have is so little in your sight, give it to Jesus. Give it to him. Let him meet you once again. Ask him for his presence. Ask him to show up because he wants to do it again and again and again and again. Can I get an amen? amen. Well, I want to introduce my beautiful husband because... She already preached already, so she's done, No, right? I didn't really. We really prepared a word. That was just an encouragement, so you know. It was like an appetizer. Amen. You saw me move out the way when she was going back and forth, right? You don't jump into traffic, you know? I just want to, um, you know, this word that God has given to us, you know, we kind of like, we're, too, we're married, but we kind of have our own time with God, and God gives us something that always connects with each other. But for the past uh, two months, um, I was asking God, I said, Lord, I want more of you. I want more of this relationship I have with you. I want more of this love that you have. And in that, God was beginning to do something that I didn't want. And what that was is a self-evaluation of my life. To start evaluating things that may interfere in my love affair with the Father. My relationship with God, God was like, I, I love you so much that if you're asking to be closer to me, I'm going to remind you and warn you of things that could be damaging to you. So one of the things that I always like to do, I like to, anybody knows me, I like to joke, right? Now, this is a good joking. I'm not talking about the bad joking part where people you and vulgar and stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about joking that if anybody knows me, I'll give you an example. I don't want to give you the exact example because you know who I'm talking about. But, but, but I was joking about something one time. And um, I was with uh, Ephraim and, and Pastor Michelle. And uh, uh, Michelle has to like say, say oh, you know, you know, Josh, he's just joking. He's just joking. When she said that, because Ephraim was like, what are you talking about? What's happening? What's going on? And she was like, he's just joking. When she said that, something hit me right in the heart. And God was like, why does she need to defend what you're doing? Why is it that she has to uh, speak on your behalf? Because it's so confusing, almost like, yo, you're just saying stuff that's kind of crazy. The second time it happened, I was at a friend's house. <laughs> Remember that? And I think it was your uncle, your dad, or something like that. What was that? Something like that, right? So they would ask me, you want to eat food? You want some food? You want I was like, nah, I'm not hungry. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And next thing you know, it, uh, she goes, what's the matter? You don't like, what was she saying? You don't like uh, Spanish food, right? Yeah, you don't, like, you don't like Spanish food? I said, no, I just don't like Puerto Ricans, just like that. And the uncle, or whoever he was, was like, so like, totally Puerto Rican, right? He was just like, what? What did he say? What? What? Like, he got so offended. And I was like, well, what's the problem? It's just joking. Everybody's joking or you know, whatever. When I got home, my wife, you know, the wife is the... See, if the Holy Spirit's not speaking, she's speaking, you know? <laughs> so she's like, you know, you offended them. You offended them. And I'm like, ah, be quiet. What are you talking about? This is who I am. You know, that's the, that's the saying that we all have, right? This is who I am. If you don't like it, it's too bad. This is who I, I kept saying that. I kept saying that. And something hit me again, right in the heart again. And God was like, go in the room. And I went to the room. And I said, Lord, show me in the word what, you, what I did was wrong. And you know, oh, my God. 
I started reading scriptures about throwing spears at people of madness. And, and, and you, then afterwards you say, oh, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. And God said, you need to correct that. Because in the next stage of our relationship, the next stage that I'm taking you into, these things are going to destroy you. So what I want to do first, I want to show you who we are in Christ. What God says we are. Okay? I want to turn to John 15, verses 1 through 17. Is it going on the screen? It says, I am, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to me, my, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you may have joy. My joy may be, excuse me. I have told you this so that you, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no other than this, to lay down one's life for, for one's friend. You, you are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants. You know my wife was saying we like bond servants a little while ago? Because it's like a dedication to God. But check out how this love relations, as it develops, and as we know who our father is, check this out. He says, I am no longer calling you servants because servants do, does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I have chose you. I and appointed you so that you might go and bear much fruit that will, that will last so that the, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. This is my commandment. Love each other. This is who we are in Christ. We weren't chosen, number one. God has chosen us. And in choosing us, he, 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 he forms a, a wonderful relationship between us that like, kind of like nobody can separate. He says, look at this. He says, um, imagine that if, um, imagine you're in a marriage. Because like, my thing is like marriage. I try to compare it to marriage, but Jesus' love is not like the marriage love is. It's like a totally different type of thing. You know, sometimes our love could be like conditional, right? You didn't wash the dishes? Uh, don't talk to me, you know? Jesus don't do that for us. But in the love he created between us both, he formed us into a place that everything I know, you're going to know. I'm not as something that's far off from God that he's not going to reveal to us and show us. He's going to show all love things. But there are distractions that get in the way from our love. And any love that you know, whether it be in a relationship or even with God, there are distractions that get in the way. And those distractions, if not taken care of, 
they will destroy this beautiful love relationship between God. If we are his children and we are connected to the, we are the vine, the branches that are connected to the vine that bear much fruit, if we're no longer connected, what separated us from God? Nothing could separate us from the love of God, but something could separate us from receiving that love from God. I want to turn to um, Songs of Solomon 2.15. This is the, there, this is the distractions that get in the way of that beautiful relationship between us and God. It says, this is the bridegroom. Actually, in, in, the, in the story, it's like a poem or a song. And Solomon is saying this to his people that are in charge of his vineyard. He says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. Our vineyards that are in bloom. Here's a prophetic word that God gave me for us to church based on this situation. He said, in the season of bloom, in the season of this wonderful relationship between us and God, not just in a, in a sense of a church thing, but in between you and God and me and God, this wonderful relationship that's in bloom is in danger of being destroyed because of little things, the little foxes that are hiding in the fields. I want to address today those distractions that, are dis that could be dis destroy everything that, that God is building within us. And then in order to figure out what these distractions are, it's the time that we have to come to God and say, Lord, I need you to self-evaluate me. I need to look at myself and see what's wrong or what's getting in the way that could destroy the relationship between me and my father. Could, could destroy the actual process of blossoming and being a fruit that would bear such, not only to eat that fruit, but that become a, a, a beautiful tasting wine that from generation to generation others could drink off of it. So I, just like I said before, my distractions were joking. There's a couple other things that I'm not going to share. But it's just things that God had revealed to me. Let's say, you need to stop doing this. You need to check that. Watch out for that. It's dangerous. You know what foxes do? They say that they don't only just eat the grapes off the tree, but they begin to gnaw on the, on the bark of the tree. And then dig holes around the tree, exposing the, the roots so that it could be destroyed. See, the enemy's plan is not only to destroy you in the relationship with the Father, but to embarrass us in front of the whole world. To expose us to see that we are frauds. To expose us to say, see, this relationship between you and the Father is not real. So many times we believe the lie of the, of the enemy. Believe, they let these little things come in. You know how many times that you hear a preaching or something like that, or God a word, and it's always addressing certain issues, and you know the issues that you, you, you're dealing with, but we never address those issues? We never deal with it. Not a big deal. I'll deal with the, the bills. I'll deal with this. I'll deal with this person acting like a fool over there. But, that, but there are certain things inside of us that we never address. And if we don't address them, they'll be eating away in us until it's too late. God knows all things and he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he's concerned about the relationship he has with us. He said, I don't want nothing to come in and interfere with our love. I don't want nothing to come to destroy what we've been building together. But if we don't address the very things that are inside of us, the very things that hold us back, the very things that kind of always creep in in the good moments, it's going to destroy us. You ever notice that you go into cycles? You know why we go into cycles? Because when it's a time for to birth something new, and to, it, it, it just dies. It dies. It's the Lord, but I've been doing it. I fasted. I read the word. I did all this stuff. Why is it always dies? Why does it always drop down? And God said, because there are little foxes that are always there that you never address. And by the time it's, you, you, it's, it's for the season to blossom, the time to progress, the time to move forward, those things you cannot move forward because the tree is dying. 
We cannot move forward if we don't address the issues of life, the issues that are inside our spirits, the things that we keep ignoring. I had wrote a bunch of stuff for the thing. I didn't wrote that because the printer thing was messing up there, my, my email. But what about fear? You know how fear comes about? When God asks you to do something in faith and you never do it and never do it and never do it and never do it and you're worried about what you're going to think. You're worried, you're worried. Next thing you know, fear runs your life. So when you're asked to do something, it's time to move into the next step. You can't move because fear. What about worry? You know how many Christians I know that worry all the time? Oh, but if this happens, this is going to happen. But if I do that, it's going to happen. What if this happens? What if that happens? Where's your faith? Those little things never get addressed. So what happens is when it's time to move forward, they're not coming. They don't move. What about anger? How many people got anger issues? And it's just like, this is, you know, the, you know the, the, I don't know if it's a Puerto Rican or African American thing, but we all said, this is who I am. Accept it. Jesus accepts me. You should accept me. Okay, we do accept you. They do accept me because I'll be acting a fool, right? right? Amen. Turn up mic off. Amen, Jesus. But, you know, God accepts me. But the thing, God said, I accept you who you are. But in the love relationship, should we not grow? If I, I married her 17 years ago, I've been with her like, like 19 years, right? I don't, I, the same way I was when I met her, I'm not that person anymore. There should be some sort of development in our lives, something that changes a growth process, an understanding of each other, so that I know I won't do this to her to harm her. Or I, went, I used to do things, I used to always, uh, like, almost like embarrass. What's that? What I used to do? Am I joking? I used to embarrass her, I'd make her the butt of the joke all the time. And she's like, you need to cover me. You need to cover me. You need to cover me. Right? She's, I didn't cover her. And I didn't know because I thought what I was doing was fine. It's not a big deal. Until it started blowing up into problems. Until we go home afterwards and I'm like, she's not looking at me in the car. And I'm like, ay, ay, ay. Here we go. Two weeks, right? Two weeks. Two weeks of that. Because of my foolishness. And God's like, see, you understand in any relationship that we have, especially with the father, we must address the issues at hand. And they're not always big. That's why they call them little foxes. They're little hiding. We can't see them. Well, it's not a big deal. It's not causing a fire. It's not burning things down. But those little things invention, when the season is time to blossom and to bear fruit and to move to the next step, that's when you cannot move forward. Because the tree is eaten away. And that's when we say, oh, God, you're not real. Oh, you don't come through. I don't want to hear prayer. Don't tell me about prayer because look at the bad things that keep happening to me. Those are the little things that be eating away, eating away, eating away until it's gone. I encourage you today to really self-evaluate yourself because no one's going to tell you. Everybody could tell you a thousand times, yo, you got to stop with that attitude or you got to stop doing that. You got to stop doing that. You're not going to listen because pride is one of the issues that we have that come and eat away. Don't tell me what to do. Only God, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's next week's pre preaching, right? Only God can judge me. Only God can judge me. You can't judge me. I judge you by your fruits. You ain't got fruits. The Bible says, by your fruits, you know who they're my children. So if, you're, if you have no fruits, then I'm like, what's going on with you? Nobody wants to be corrected. Nobody wants to be told what to do. Nobody wants to be disciplined. Leave me alone. I know my best way, what's best for me. You don't know me. Get out of my business. All these different things. And we, say, and we sit in church and we say, I don't feel like a family. I don't feel unified. I don't feel connected with nobody. Yeah, but you won't open yourself up to nobody. Because you got fear. Or you got past hurts. Oh, you've been disappointed many times. There's a version in, in that Bible when it talks about Songs of Solomon. It's called the Jubilee version. I, I never read anything about that Bible. It's, it says Jubilee. You ever see it? But it, it says, hunt down the little foxes. 
I charge you today to begin to hunt on the things that are going to destroy the vine. And if you ever look at a vine, how it works, I was trying to look at Google, Google images today, and I saw like the, the, the bark comes up from the, from the vine with the grapes, and they put like wires across all down the field so that the branches can stay on it so they can grow properly, and the grapes will hang from that. If that dis gets destroyed and gets rotten, then what happens is everything along the line becomes rotten. Every single vine that's connected, you can't believe, if you have an apple in your refrigerator and it's rotting and you leave it in there, everything else is going to get mold on it and rot. If you are, you know, sometimes we don't realize that the very thing that we go through, it doesn't just affect us, but it affects everyone else around us. And what happens is, if you don't correct what's, what's going on in your life and those little things that we kind of overlook, it's going to destroy the, everybody in the whole body and it spills over to everyone in the church. It spills over to friendship, family, job. I, my joking got to the point where no one respected me in my job. I can't see you as a minister. I can't see you as a minister. And I, and I use that line. You can't judge me. Don't, don't judge. You don't know nothing about me. And after that thing happened, I had to go to work. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got I to gotta repent to these people. I had to go in front of my whole staff and that, that were in the office that we always hang out at the time. And I said, look, I got to apologize. And they was like, for what? Why are you apologize? I said, for my joking. It's like, ah, oh, no, it's funny. You know, yeah. but, but I was like, look, I apologize because... You keep saying one thing that bothers me all the time. I can't see you as a minister. You joke all the time. You say, you know, my joking is, the, the funny things about joking is 90% of it is the truth. So it's funny the way I do it, but I'm talking about somebody for the truth. Oh my God, this, okay, this, this guy, he never see me, but there's this guy that comes to my job and he looks like Peter Griffin. So he comes in and he, he walk, I'm telling you, literally, Peter, it's Peter Griffin all the way. He even sounds like Peter Griffin. So what I would do, I would just walk in. I put up the, the image of Peter Griffin and just walk around, show everybody where he walks by. And everybody starts laughing. To me, I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. But I'm hurting somebody. I'm not showing love. If there's a, a fault in somebody, I shouldn't make fun of that. What I should do is encourage them and love on them and care for them. But because I had an issue with joking, an issue with image, and an issue of trying to please people, it started to spill over and it started to affect everything I was doing at work. So I had to repent to God. I had to go before God and say, Lord, forgive me. And the greatest thing about that situation, I felt no shame. It's not like it's somewhere. It's the worst thing to be corrected from outside because you're going to feel shame. You're going to be embarrassed. You're going to be humiliated because we're exposed now for the thing we never handled. But if you go to God now and you ask God, Lord, whatever is in me that's a, that can affect me and affect the body, I need you to deal with it now. Show me what it is so I can evaluate it, so I can correct the situation, so I can move forward. And when you do that, there is no shame. There is no hurt. There is no embarrassment. It's just like one, two, three. Like, it's, okay, Lord, now begin to follow in the way you want me to follow. Because not realizing it's going to spill over and everything I'm going to do. See, God, God is so faithful in love. Sometimes he will let us move to the next stage and then we end up doing the same garbage and we fail. God wants us to be a whole. He wants us to be fully mature in everything that we do. But he don't want us to be failures. He don't want us to fail. He don't want us to go through life hurting all the time and broken and saying, why is nothing changing? Why is nothing changing? Evaluate yourself. Evaluate your heart. And check this. I was gonna, the, the title. I wanted to change the title. This is um, my wife's um, words: distraction and it destroys. I don't use those words. I wanted to say, "Check yourself before you wreck yourself." And I wanted to play the music. Ice Cube. I wanted to do that. But but for real, this is for the ghetto people. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because if you check yourself, you're gonna get wrecked. Because in the season of blossoming, it means that it's time to bear fruit now. The, the sad thing is, you don't want to bear rotten fruit. 
We can't blame nobody. We can't blame God. We can't blame the devil for everything. I heard this saying a long time ago. The devil's sitting in a step. And he's like, what's the matter? You know, God went to the What's wrong with you? He said, everybody blames you for everything. Sometimes it's your own disrespect, your own doing, your own disobedience, your own pride. That you don't see what's wrong. Well, we don't see what, I don't see, I don't see what's wrong sometimes. We're going into the next step in our lives. I don't care what you see. That song says, I don't know what you see, even if you don't feel it or see it. See it. Things are about to change. God is moving to the next step, and it's a time to bear fruit. What fruit are you going to bear in this season? What will be the blessings of God? What will be the faithfulness of God? What will be his, his love for us, of all the perseverance and the strength? What is that? There you go. See, man? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. She thought it was a squirrel or something running around again. Don't worry about it. I thought you guys were my friends back there. What are you doing? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. You like that, right? It's time now. God, is, I've been noticing a lot. I've been seeing, I'm going to be, be real. I've been seeing a lot of hurt, a lot of brokenness opening up. And I was like, I don't feel that brokenness. I don't feel that hurt. I'm not going through that. God says it's a season to birth something out. The problem is, if we don't check ourselves, we're going to get wrecked. And we're going to end up doing the things of God and administering the people in our jobs and doing stuff. And we're going to be dropped bombs that are barren. You know what it is to be a barren woman? Not to be able to bear fruit, to bear a child. We'll be dropped bombs and we're like, boom, there you go. The Holy Spirit right there. And it's like nothing, no change, nothing going on. Because you're no longer connected to the vine. We're trying to bear things and do things out of, out of the Father. But if we're doing things in the Father, he knows us. And I'm telling you in the name of Jesus today, he's telling you to evaluate yourselves. If we do not evaluate ourselves and see what's wrong, that we need to catch and correct those things and say, Lord, give me the grace and the mercy to deal with this issue that I can't deal with my own. That's been coming up every once in a while trying to destroy me. God will be right there with the mercy and grace to defeat that thing. And cast those things away so you can continue to, for years and years to come, you'll be able to produce a, a, a fruit that many people would drink from. The sad thing is that we don't think sometimes that the world's waiting in balance for us to get, get our stuffs together. If we get our stuffs together now, we can prevent years. I always say this to George and I said, we will prevent years and years of damage control. You spend seasons of damage control. I got to fix this. I got to fix that. I got to fix that. Why? Because we didn't want to deal with things when God asked us to deal with it. Now's the time. Today's the day day of salvation. You know, talk about salvation with Christ. But do you want to be saved from this rotten garbage that's about to happen and all the stuff that that, that would come in our lives because we didn't deal with them? Now, today's the day of that salvation. And God wants to set us free from a lot of things that have been holding us back for so long. We can't hide no more. We can't hide behind the anointing of God no more. We can't say, I'm anointed, I do healings, I do these things, I preach the gospel to many people, but yet your life is rotten inside because we never did the things that God had told us to get rid of. We have no excuses no more in God. I'm not trying to say this to you because I'm better than you. I'm saying it because God had to evaluate me and check me and say, yo, you got to check yourself. I want to take you to the next step. I want to take you to do many wonderful things that I told you I would do. But if you keep dealing with these same little things, you're not going to go nowhere. And we're going to do is stick up the place frustrate people around you and see no one to grow. I told us to George the other day, how can I free someone else if I'm not free? I want to tell the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, do your work. I'm not doing it, but you do the work and I'll, and I'll stay the same way I am. You know, eventually you see many pastors, right? Many leaders fall apart. Marriages, everything falls apart because we don't address the issues at hand. You cannot escape it. This is the, 
if God is merciful to you and blessing for you, will he not cover you? Will he not do the wonderful things for you? Will he not show his love? Will he not protect your children? Will he not do those things for you? If we choose to do our way, we're not going to experience that. It's not God's fault. He says, be connected to me so that you can produce fruit. That's his, his love for us. We're not slaves to him. We're not walking around with chains around our neck. That's, that saying was wonderful because it shows my total dedication to you for everything you have done for me. But you're his friends. God says, I call you my friends. And I will not do anything without letting you know first. So if destruction is going to come, you're going to know beforehand because God told you to get rid of that stuff. It's dangerous. I'm trying, I know I sound kind of harsh, but I am, I am being harsh. I'm being real because you know what it is? If God is checking me and I, I, I looked at stuff and said, I start seeing the, the, the flow of God now in my job where I go to work and I have a dream about somebody and I'm like, God said, go tell them this. And I'm like, all right. I come in, I come in the morning. Oh, good morning, Josh. And I'm like, can I share something with you right now? I had a dream about you. Like, oh, what dream? You had a dream about me? And I'm, like, and I'm like, yeah, I had a dream about you. And I start telling the person, listen, I saw you all bruised up and you couldn't look in the mirror anymore. And you was frustrated about some kind of relationship you were dealing with. And I told him, I said, the Lord told me, do not identify yourself with the negative things that are happening to you. Because God sees who you are. And you're, you're envisioning and seeing your image in the way they're telling you you are. And I said, God is watching over you. He loves you. And he sees you. And he cares about you. The person only could do was just stand there and look at me. And I was like, uh-oh, I'm getting fired today. Next thing you know, they just began to bawl and cry and weep and just walk out the, walk out the office and had nothing to say to me. And try to avoid me all day long because they didn't want to cry. I have an impact. We have impact in everywhere we go. And if we don't deal with the issues, how can God use us in everywhere we go? I challenge you today. I challenge, just like he said in the word, he said, hunt down. The bridegroom said, hunt down those little foxes that will spoil the vine. Because it's in blossom. I believe in the spirit that you guys are in blossom. We're in blossom. God is about to bear fruit in us and do wonderful things. But he sees everything. And he knows that these things will destroy us. It will destroy us. None of us are exempt from the destruction that always comes when we don't get rid of these things in our lives. No one's exempt of a judgment. Judgment begins in the house of God first, the Bible says. But he wants to give us not bad judgment, but he wants to give us the blessings, the wisdom, the understanding, the things to move forward, all these giftings and good things he wants to provide for us. He doesn't want to give because he loves us. So I challenge you today, evaluate yourself. Check yourself before you get wrecked. Amen? Amen. If the worship team can just begin to make their way up, I don't really, I had a whole sermon sort of planned, but I don't even want to add anything to that because I really believe um, that the Spirit of God has spoken this morning, and I don't want to add anything to that. If any of you attend uh, Wednesday night prayer, um, and I want to encourage you, I kind of want to give that a plug this morning. Um, Wednesday night prayer, we meet every other Wednesday night. We're not meeting this Wednesday night. Discipleship will be this Wednesday night, but the following Wednesday we'll meet. It's a beautiful, intimate time of worship where we come together, we seek the face of God, we get strengthened as a community, we get strengthened individually. And something that blew my mind happened this past Wednesday night. If you were here, you know what I'm talking about. Ephraim and I were here leading worship and even started to sing a song. And I thought this was a song he knew. Right? Who was here? Who was here? Raise your hand if you were here Wednesday night. Look around the room. Ever, I want everybody to look around the room. 
Can we add to that number? Can we do our very best job to add to the number of hands that are raised in this building? And not for my sake, not because I love to sing and worship Jesus, and not because Ephraim loves to do that and we love to serve, but because God met us here. He meets us here. And so Ephraim starts singing this song, and it's about distraction. And I swore this was a song you had written in the past when you were with Double Edge or a song that you had tucked away somewhere that was like in your arsenal, like I'm going to pull this out when the spirit really moves. And then he turns and tells, I mean, it was a whole song. If you were here, I mean, my mind was blown. And this man came out with a whole prophetic song about distraction. And all I could do was just sit there and like, just begin to look inward. Lord, how am I being distracted? Where am I giving myself over into when it comes to these distractions? I don't want to be destroyed. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to have the enemy make a spectacle out of my ministry. I don't want to be made an example of by the kingdom of darkness. I want my life to shine and to be a shining beacon of hope and an example of what an obedient heart can do when it's surrendered to the will of God in Christ. Romans 8 says that if you walk after the flesh, you're going to reap death. But if you walk after the spirit, you're going to reap life and peace. Who wants to reap life and peace this morning? Why don't we stand? And as you're standing, why don't you just bow your heads with me? There's so many promises that God has. There are so many of them. And he's going to fulfill those things because he's faithful to complete the thing which he promised to us. And many, the Bible says, will cast out demons in his name. And many will go and heal the sick. And many will go and bring salvation. And many will go and prophesy. And many will go and perform miracles in the name of Jesus. But there's coming a day where we're all going to stand before a holy God. And very sadly, Jesus is going to look at those and he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And they're going to say, but I did this in your name and I did that in your name and, 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 and look what I did. I, 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 I made myself busy with your work. Surely that counts for eternity. Surely that counts for something. And he's going to look at some people and he's going to say depart from me you worker of iniquity the one who gave himself over herself over into a life of sin because they refused to surrender those things that became a distraction so father your mercy your mercy lord Lord, we stand in a place of repentance before you, Jesus. Understanding that we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But we know that you, in your faithfulness and in your love and in your grace and in your mercy, you come and you cover us in that secret place. You cover us under the shadow of your wing. 
You cover us so that we don't have to be naked and ashamed. So we don't have to be full of sin. So that we don't have to make your sacrifice to no avail. We are children of the light and we belong to you, Jesus. And another voice we will not follow. We hear your voice, Lord, and we want to follow it. So, Lord, right now I pray that you would just come like a mighty rushing wind over the soul of every life represented here. And that you would begin to just filter out and bring a Holy Spirit revelation and awareness to the inside of each of us. Be a lamp to our soul, God. Let us begin to see those things that are not pleasing to you, those things that we need to lay down so that we can be effective, so that our salt can be good, so that our light can be bright, God. So that we can have impact, we don't want to just be present. We want to have impact, Jesus. We don't want to just pray, God, but we want deliverance to happen when we open our mouths, God, and lay hands on the sick. We want deliverance, God. We want to see your power and your miracles in the earth, Lord. Why we want to be lives that are fully surrendered to the work of the Spirit and not the work of the enemy. So, Lord, we lay this down before you. We, we lay it down, God. Give us grace. Multiply your grace. You're so faithful. You're so good. And who would you refuse, God? You wouldn't refuse any of us, God. And if it was just for one person in this room, Jesus, you still would have died. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If that were not so, none of us would need a savior. None of us, none of us would need to hear this message this morning. If we had it all together, if we could put all the pieces, all the broken pieces back together, none of us would need Jesus. But you're in this room and you're in this house this morning because you know that there's something inside you that cannot do this on your own. And I want to bring an invitation to salvation this morning. And if you do not know Jesus, if you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you're saying, you know what, I'm in that broken place. I'm, I'm someone who tries to just get on with life and not deal with anything, but I know that I want to deal with these things, but I just don't know how. And I'm powerless in my own flesh. If that's you this morning, and as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to say a prayer. And I want you to repeat it in your heart or you can repeat it out in the open whatever you feel to do. But Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Jesus is meeting you by the presence of his Holy Spirit. And you know all those hairs you feel standing up on your body right now? That's the Holy Spirit. That's him. That's him awakening and becoming alive on the inside of you so that you can go and bear much fruit. Amen? So with every head bowed, Lord, I thank you for these people. And if this is you and you need Jesus' salvation, you can repeat this prayer. Jesus, you are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. I accept that you died on the cross for me. I accept that you rose again for me. And I believe in my heart that you're going to come back one day 
and you're going to take me into eternity. Holy Spirit, live on the inside of me. Become alive and put back all the broken pieces within me. Jesus, help me to live for you. Help me to walk for you. Help me to be a light in a dark place that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.